Hello, the overarching title for the series on parables is the parables of the kingdom and we're looking at the last in our three sections of parables under the heading now of the kingdom to come so we're thinking of the development of the kingdom of heaven and what is now and is to come and we've come to the parable of the wedding banquet in Matthew's gospel chapter 22 and the first 14 verses and before we read the Bible account here where we need to see the context there's a context of, of jealousy opposition and plots to kill Jesus they're building up this is the last week before the Lord's sufferings and death the disciples are wrestling with what the Lord has been telling them about his leaving them they're confused and frightened and yet excited there's tension in the air and a sense of danger as the Jewish leaders plot murder as their antagonism against Jesus rises and there are large crowds of people arriving in Jerusalem for the Passover festival so there's it's a rejoicing occasion so there's singing and people preparing and getting ready for the Passover festival let's pray Heavenly Father as we open our Bibles to Matthew's Gospel here and look at this parable that your son our Lord Jesus taught we pray that you would help us to understand it Lord sometimes the parables are hard to, to grasp but Lord give us wisdom to be able to understand it and to be able to apply it to our lives to see what it means and how we need to respond to it thank you for this wonderful picture of a wedding banquet thank you that it looks forward to the culmination of the kingdom of heaven Lord when your people when we your people will be able to join together with the Lord Jesus Christ and using the words of Revelation Lord we think of that wedding supper of the Lamb we think of that time when your people will be gathered together at that great event at the culmination of all your plans and purposes so Lord we thank you for what lies ahead and we pray now that you would teach us about it and help us as we look at your word and we give you thanks in Jesus name Amen the parable of the wedding banquet Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come but they refused to come then he sent some more servants and said tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner my oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready come to the wedding banquet but they paid no attention and went off one to his field another to his business the rest seized his servants mistreated them and killed them the king was enraged he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city then he said to his servants the wedding banquet is ready but those I invited did not deserve to come so go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find so the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find the bad as well as the good and the wedding hall was filled with guests but when the king came in to see the guests he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes he asked how did you get in here without wedding clothes friend the man was speechless then the king told the attendants tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are invited but few are chosen 
The end of the last parable in Matthew 21, it's really riled the chief priests and the Pharisees. Verse 43. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Those were the stark words of the Lord. The stewardship, the franchise was over. The leadership of Israel were relying on their history and their self-righteousness and they were rejecting Jesus as their Messiah. They wanted Israel to be the kingdom of heaven on earth but they didn't want the king and they didn't want to repent. So the kingdom of God was not going to focus on the nation state and leadership of Israel. It was going to be taken away from them and given to a new gathering of people, a spiritual Israel, disciples of Jesus in the new covenant. Verse 45 of chapter 21. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Now God had been working through history to gather a people, to create a family of believers, a church, an ecclesia, a gathered people who will be with him forever. God's people under God's blessing with him forever. And now it's the final stage of that gathering. It will start at the cross and end in the wedding supper of the Lamb. And God had chosen a nation that he had brought into being through Abraham. And from that one man, the Israelites came. From that nation, the Messiah, the Saviour came. And God is inviting the nation. God is Emmanuel with them. And he's, in, he's inviting that nation, a nation that, that he has loved and blessed and forgiven again and again down through the years. And he is inviting the leaders as well as the ordinary people. In the nation of Israel there had always been true believers as well as just Israelites by birth but not in spirit. And the invitation has been first extended to this nation with whom God has done so much and who have become the greatest blessing to the world in that Christ came through them. However, time and again many ordinary people but in particular the leadership of Israel had battered away the loving invitation of Jesus and a point of no return has passed. I tell you, the Lord says, that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. But all is not lost, not at all, because there are and there will be true believers in Israel and they will be going to the banquet. For example, after Pentecost, as the gospel spread out from Jerusalem, many of those who had voted for Jesus' death became his disciples. There's a lo lovely verse in Acts 6 verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. After the cross, and because of the cross, all true believers will be gathered into an international church. And altogether, with national boundaries broken down, this international family will be the people who will produce fruit. The New Testament church does not replace God's work with and in Israeli people, but rather it fulfills the prophecies and it embraces all true believers into a new phase of God's gathering of a people. Then Jesus tells a parable to explain what has and will happen. Chapter 22. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, 
but they refused to come. Now, the battle is not yet over, because the cross has not yet happened. But the victory celebration and the banquet are already prepared, and the invites have gone out. There are a number of verses in the Bible that talk about things as having happened before they actually did in time, and about things that were already settled and prepared even before time began. For example, in a parable about uh, the future judgment day, we see the, that future was prepared before the past. Matthew 25 verse 34 Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you, and notice this, since the creation of the world. So, when the gospel message goes out, we are inviting people to trust and follow Jesus. And the invitation promises forgiveness and peace now, and also future blessings. There are things that haven't happened yet from our perspective in time, but great things like a banquet with Jesus. And, the, of course, the God who knows all is almighty to see them through. He has secured the blessings and we can rest assured in his word. In the mission of Jesus preaching, he and his disciples initially focused on Israel. In Matthew 10, verse 6, the instruction was, Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. But despite the invitation and the miracles that went with it, despite the eager listening crowds in the earlier days, even though some people did stick with following Jesus, there was overall a hardening of hearts. And Jesus had to say some of the saddest words to his fellow Israelites. In Matthew 11, verse 20, Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And Matthew 23, verse 13. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves, you yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. In the words of the parable, they were invited, but they refused to come. The Life Application Commentary points out something interesting, that in this culture two invitations were expected when banquets were given. The first asked the guests to attend, the second announced that all was ready. When the king sent his servants to notify everyone that it was time to come, this referred to the second invitation. These invitees had already accepted the first invitation. At this second one, however, these guests refused. So the people who are now refusing are the people who had already said as a nation yes to God. But now they say no. But let's challenge ourselves. How many times have you heard the gospel invitation? And maybe you've not openly rejected it. But if you're honest with yourself, you've not really accepted the invitation either. Spiritually, you are kind of hanging around outside the banquet hall in a half-hearted commitment, attempting to appear to have made your choice. Maybe you have openly rejected it. But in the words of Elijah in 1 Kings 18, how long will you waver between two opinions? If Jesus is God, follow him. So whether you're, you are actually wavering or whether at this point you've, you've rejected it, we need to consider if Jesus is God, if what he said is true, 
then we need to follow him and stop messing about. And if we're not convinced yet, we need to dig further and ask those important questions about who Jesus is, why he came, what it means to us. If you don't truly accept this invitation and go in, if you play around with Christianity but don't truly commit to Christ, even though your spouse, your family, your parents, your children are Christians, then if you don't respond for yourself, you're sentencing yourself to an eternity outside, lost and under judgment. Now this king who prepares this banquet, he is gracious. And he sends out his servants again. Verse 4. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. Now it's possible that the sending of the servants out again and again is taking into account the Old Testament prophets. God had sent many prophets to Israel in Old Testament times. And despite some amazing revivals, overall the people didn't listen back then. The invitation was refused, even though... At the beginning at Mount Sinai, the people had committed themselves as a nation to be God's people. Also, we look ahead after Pentecost and see how the gospel spread started in Jerusalem, Judea, and then out further. And we see how some of the early missionaries focused on reaching their fellow Jews, such as Paul, for example. In Romans 1.16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And Paul, in his missionary work, would typically find a synagogue on his travels and tell Jewish people about Jesus, first of all, giving them the opportunity. Sadly, he would often have to leave the synagogue and find other people who would host him to carry on preaching. And usually there would be a, a number of Jews that would come, come with him. So God was still at work. But as a whole, sadly, there was the refusal of the invitation. Now, the king in the parable is merciful and doesn't give up easily. And so that's the way we should be too. We see the grace of the king repeatedly offering the welcome and with a message of the good things he has prepared. Verse 4, then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Now, let me ask you, what is so good about being a Christian? Would you be able to state with a passion what God has prepared for you in Christ? And does that shape your life and your witness? And when you share your faith, does it sound like a good thing? Now, over the years, I found that we find it easier to pray prayer requests for people and situations and rightly so but when if a prayer meeting leader says let's just spend some time thanking God for all he has done for us in Christ there's usually a lot of silence we find it easier to pray for requests but just to thank God and to worship him in prayer we find that harder wonder why that is maybe we're too British, we might blame that, but maybe we're too scared that people might think we're fanatics. Maybe we don't know the richness and the wonder of the gospel enough yet. Maybe we're not just as thankful or grateful as we should be. But the reality is that God has done great things for us, and he has prepared great things to come. And the gospel is good news. 
Psalm 126 verse 3 says, The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Well, are we? Are we filled with joy at the great things God has done for us? Do we go out announcing that God has prepared something wonderful? Something so wonderful that people can be invited to from all walks of life, from all nations? Maybe we don't allow our minds and attitudes to be informed and shaped and influenced by the good things that God has done and is doing. Maybe we need to look to the diet of what we read and what we listen to, what programs, what films we watch, and maybe we're not reading enough of the Bible, not thinking enough and praying, maybe not considering carefully what God says to us, and maybe not studying enough of God's Word neglecting our opportunities for Bible teaching. Now sadly in the parable even the people initially invited and reminded of the good news and the good things the king had prepared they still refused. It says in verse 5 they paid no attention and went off one to his field another to his business. And we notice that some refusals came from people who just went about their ordinary lives. However, some reacted so strangely to the kind and gracious invitation, and it was shocking. Verse 6 says, The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. Now, let's think of the different reactions to the gospel message. We probably experience a lot of indifference amongst our friends and family and people that we meet in our country. We may see people challenged to a degree, but then dismiss the gospel dismiss commitment to Christ for the mundane and temporary treasures of this world. We see that in verse 5, they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Sometimes we see people respond in anger, sometimes anger that appear, appears totally disproportionate, even violent reactions. On the one hand, this parable is a warning to the men who are going to be guilty of killing Jesus, who are hearing this parable in as it was originally told. People who are going to persecute the people of Jesus. They now know that God knows. And they will not get away with it. But it's also a lesson to us in the kingdom of heaven. That as we pass on God's invitation to the great things he has prepared through Christ. We will get a variety of reactions. It is not an easy responsibility. But it will always be worse for those who refuse to listen. And for our persecutors. We see here that the king is no wimp and there are consequences. Verse 7 in the parable, we see that the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. What happens after that? Well, we see the invitations are sent even wider. Then he said to his servants, the banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and, and invite to the banquet anyone you find. The kingdom of heaven in its mission on earth is going to have great challenges and we will experience the heartache of rejection and persecution as we go out with the invitations. But the wedding hall will be filled with guests. Now God is not desperate. God is not in a desperate situation. Heaven will be full. And God is determined to gather a family of responders and believers and to have his banqueting hall filled to capacity. Despite the rejections and refusals, sometimes from the people you wouldn't expect to turn the invitation away, heaven will be full. And there will be many who you might never have expected. God will continue 
the work of mission to all nations, Jews and Gentiles, bringing them as one people, one family. So the servants, in verse 10, went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Now, what does good and bad refer to? Well, we might put it this way, as we sometimes say, respectable and unrespectable people. Now, we know that both respectable people in society and unrespectable people were all sinners. No one is perfect. We'd all acknowledge that. But we still generalise, don't we, between people uh, such as decent folk or scoundrels and so on. And Gordon Keddy writes in his commentary that this means sinners of all shapes and sizes and every type and stamp. The Life Application Commentary refers to bringing both good and bad, means that they didn't discriminate about social standing, reputation or moral character. Think of the parable of the net. The, the, the net goes wide and brings many in. But whatever condition, as that net goes out, or as the invitations go out to get back to the, to the, themes of the theme of the parable, whatever condition people come to the, to the wedding hall, we all need to be dressed properly. One man was not dressed properly. Verse 11. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. A self-righteous person came in with his ordinary clothes as if he were good enough, as he was. But to get in, you need to change. It would have been the custom of the day, going to events such as that, to put on a fresh change of clothes. You need to change your clothes to get in here. The self-righteous leaders of Israel back in the day thought that they had an unchallengeable right to the banquet because of their history, because of their background. But their refusal to repent and follow Jesus was evidence of pride and that unrepentance. Again, the life application commentary says this, that in the final judgment, God's true people will be revealed. Claiming to belong at the wedding feast while refusing to wear the correct garments was like the nation of Israel claiming to be God's people but refusing to live for him. So then, how should we dress as Christians? Well, the answer is with the righteousness of Jesus and that's our access uniform to the Holy God, to his presence. Romans 13 verse 14 says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Picture this, Jesus died taking on our unrighteousness onto himself and dying for us, bearing the penalty of our sin. And in exchange he gives us his righteousness as his gracious covering so that we can be clean in the sight of God and we can be welcomed into the presence of God now to know him and also eventually into heaven and to this wedding banquet. Now, we can only go into the wedding with the righteousness of Jesus. We can't go in with our, in our own merits because we're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, the sign or evidence that we do actually have Christ's righteousness covering us is developing a new lifestyle and, and new attitudes that reflect our new life in Christ. As Ephesians 4 verse 24 says, Put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. 
Now, we'll never be perfect. We'll never have the right clothing through our own goodness. We can't tailor our own suits, as it were, that are good enough for the presence of God. But as we put on Christ's righteousness that he's paid for, that he's prepared for us, as we trust in him to be our saviour, to be our righteousness, to be our right standing with God, what will happen is that we will start to change. If we're a real believer in Jesus, we will gradually become what we are wearing. Our attitudes, our speech, our behaviour will change. And as we see that starting to change, and even if we're a brand new Christian, or in some areas we're still struggling, but as we see those those elements of change in our lives as we grow to become more like Christ. This is a great encouragement to us. And we can rejoice and be assured with a holy confidence that we can walk up on into the hall of that wedding feast with joy. And in the words of Isaiah 61 verse 10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. We cannot get in without being properly dressed. And if we try to get in with our own self-righteousness, we'll face serious consequences. Verse 13 of the parable. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And that's a curious sentence there, that last verse, 14. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Let's think of it like this. The, the gospel invitation is to go out to the whole world. But just receiving an invitation, as you know, maybe even being initially happy about it, but then leaving it on your letter stand, that's no good, is it? If you sit back and do nothing because you assume that as everyone is invited, one way or another, all will get in. Well, that's wrong. A wrong way of thinking. It's a an invitation that needs a response. We need to act upon it at some point. It's no good just sitting there. It's no good rejoicing that we've received it. You see, the Christian gospel is that we have to make a committed, believing response to the invitation. And Jesus tells us that the invite goes out to all, but that not everyone will get in, but only, only the chosen. So then, if you're thinking seriously, if you're taking God and your salvation seriously at this point, you'll get up and you'll make every effort to be sure that you're chosen and that you'll truly get in. You'll send that RSVP back straight away with a, an urgency. You'll more than put a first-class stamp on, you'll take it round yourself. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. You see, the evidence of being chosen is that you take the invitation seriously, and that you trust and follow Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, that you see him as your role model, that you see him as your Lord, that you see him as the one to listen to and to and to copy in your behaviour, your attitudes. You seek to model and change your life. This is evidence that you are chosen because you take the invitation seriously. It's a great challenge. So 
Let's conclude. The wedding banquet is ready. God is inviting you. If you're not yet a Christian, God is inviting you. Will you take that invitation seriously? Don't refuse the invite. Don't waste any more time. Accept it fully. Get up. Respond to it. Get that RSVP back. God has invited you to be saved, to be forgiven, to know peace with him, to be sure of heaven, to be one day at that wedding banquet. Go to him and confess your sins to God. Put your trust in Jesus who died for you, who rose again from the dead, who can be your Lord and Saviour. Trust him. Accept the invitation. You're a Christian. Fantastic. But do you know how greatly God has blessed you? And are you grasping all he has secured and prepared for you? It's wonderful, those of us who are already Christians, what we have in Christ. But are you glad about it? Are you glad about it? Are you rejoicing? Do you see it as a good thing that God has prepared? Do you go out with the invitation, believing that it, it is a good thing that you are inviting people to? That it is good news, that it is gospel. Maybe we need to think through again what God has done for us to get a, a better grasp of it. Don't be lazy. Don't be hazy about these things. Take all this seriously. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great things that you have prepared for your people, pictured here in this parable by this wedding banquet. Thank you, it's a, a wedding banquet for your son, and it pictures the culmination of the gathering in of your people because we see another image in the Bible of the gathered church as your bride, as your as the wife of your son and we see a picture of a wedding here and looking forward to that day when the whole church will have been gathered in, when every last person who's going to become a Christian will have become a Christian and will be together with you forever in a wonderful relationship of love that will last for eternity Lord, help us to be excited about what you have done for us now because we can taste this, uh, this feast even now as we enjoy our relationship with you. Lord, help us and teach us to grasp the good things you have done for us and have prepared for us and help us to be people who are glad. Recognize that the Lord has done great things for us and that we are glad and grateful. Lord, help us to be a grateful and a thankful people. And Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us if we've not yet taken the invitation seriously to recognize that we must because there is an outside there is a place of gnashing of teeth a place of eternal regret a place where there'll be a forever i wish i listened i wish i'd taken god seriously so we pray for your help to do this and to respond in this way in jesus name amen <laughs>